0: And so I actually ended up dropping out of high school not once, but twice. I never graduated. And while all my friends were off to college, I was living with my parents, gaining up to 16 hours a day in their basement. I remember I was, I was drunk when they handed me my son in the hospital. They didn't know I was drunk. I worked with people who could stay abstinent from crack cocaine. And then they went back to prison because they could not stay abstinent from marijuana.
1: They will send inappropriate pictures, primarily of their body parts. Our teens will send back their naked pictures or partially naked pictures. I had overdosed in eighth grade. I think that was shortly after I was suspended. Our teens are going through their hardest life transition in a world of rapid change and information anarchy. These are their stories and the advice from experts, dedicated to helping them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. When I work with parents at our Parents Weekend, we come across a topic every quarter about the kids' music, because uh, I'm uh, I'm. I'm a parent of a 21 and a 22 year old, and my mom certainly did a pretty good job with me around the music that I listen to. Now, I can't say that I like the, all the music my kids listen to. Um, I don't understand a lot of it. My uh, my son is a musician. Uh, his band uh, Lost Gecko is kind of a fusion jazz rock. My daughter's very into the you know millennial indie scene. Um, my daughter's first concert was a metal concert that i took her to soulfly and cattle decapitation wow. now yeah. the, the 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 my guess, my guess is already down for this music so when parents start to talk to me about their kids music my first response you know they say the same thing i don't like that they're demeaning this and they're glorifying that and they're this and this and this now i used to listen to kiss and my mom hated Kiss, but the thing is, I listened to him loud enough that she knew all the lyrics. And then it went from Kiss into Pink Floyd and some Rush, and, and it just got heavier and, and darker from there, all, all the way. And I still listen to very, very dark metal and Viking metal and on and on and on. And... When I hear parents say that they can't stand their kid's music, I know that parents are letting the most surface experience of their kid's music take them out, not understanding what's going on or not liking it. But my challenge to every parent is to sit down and actually listen while reading the lyrics of their child's favorite song. If you were to ask your kid, hey, what's your favorite song print me up the lyrics and uh, or parents you can go to darklyrics.com your damn self and print up the lyrics of your kid's <laughs> favorite song and read them and uh, try to figure out within the lyrics why uh, this song is your kid's favorite well my next guest my next guest if you were to sit down and listen to his lyrics which have been uh uh described as um, hammering, um, oh, what do we got? Ruthless metalcore quartet. Um, my, my next guest, Johnny Crowder, his band, Prison, their first EP is NGRI. Parents, teachers, and clinicians. This is the music that you don't wanna hear, but you actually need to listen to these lyrics. So this is the knife and the dying dream. I'm a bridge torture, torture performer. It's a love feast to the shore, wet If there's one thing
0: I know, it's that I'm never enough. I've got a knife in my hand and i die. dying
1: So I don't know if you caught it, but right at the beginning, what these guys, what Johnny has said is going to resonate with your kids so quickly. He said, if there's one thing I know, it's that I'm never enough. I've got a knife in my hand and a dying dream. And kids who suffer from depression, kids who self-harm kids who suffer from suicidal ideation and suicidality he just spoke to them he just said hey i'm one of you and my guest today is going to tell you his story and how he ended up where he is my guest today is johnny crowder welcome to beyond risk and back thank johnny, you so
0: much for having me
1: dude thank you i i First started listening to you guys when you were interviewed on uh, Kristen Walker's show here on um Mental Health News Radio
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um she she emailed me immediately and was like you have to talk to this guy check out Cope Notes check out his music cuz she knows I'm a metalhead and did I went to YouTube I watched the knife and the dying dream and I was like holy crap um this stuff is awesome I love your music. I I immediately bought your EP and I want parents to connect with you and you want to connect with parents. And uh, why, why are parents going to want to connect with you, Johnny? What's, what's going on? What are you bringing to this that parents need?
0: I think it's that kids, there is a sort of an inborn like biological unwillingness to listen to our parents and i don't know where it comes from it's just this like sort of natural rebellion and if you tell your kid hey you're worth a million bucks and you're loved and you're really important and they say you can't you can't speak into my life you're 45 you don't know me at all and then some death metal vocalist with some face tattoos and you know dressing like them and looking like them and talking like them says hey do you have any idea how much you're worse? I'm saying the same thing that parents are saying, only kids turn their ears on when they see me. And I think that's, I'm very lucky to be in a position where the youth actually, and I say the youth, I'm 25. I'm not, I'm still part of the youth, I hope. But when I walk into a classroom or when I walk into a venue or wherever, kids stop And they listen. And even when I chaperone church stuff, I ask a kid to sit down on the bus. They do, and it's not because they're afraid of me. It's because they understand who I am. You know,
1: you you talk about them understanding who you are because you and and I you know seen your pictures and and follow you guys on Facebook, and you you do look like the quintessential death metal. death metaler i mean you're 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 you get tattoos and and you're but my question is how is it that you understand what these kids are through what happened to you how did you end up writing lyrics these dark this dark um this real this courageous and this and i'm going to say edgy cuz i know all metal music has a concept of edginess but you guys are tripping into an arena that requires a lot of responsibility and moral attention to what you are saying. And we'll get into that in a minute. But how come you're here? What happened to you? Talk about your childhood.
0: Um, It wasn't real pretty, so I'll keep it briefer. Um, I grew up in a house that had plenty of alcohol in it, a little bit of drugs here and there, and was just ridden completely abuse ridden household um so i was physically abused growing up and i think it made me it affected my self-worth in such a way that no matter how much anyone else sewed into me or how much you know what grade i got on a paper any ex external validation didn't really matter because i would come i knew what i was going home to at the end of the day and um I started exhibiting symptoms of mental illness at at an insanely young age. Like when I was two or three, I would just find ways to hurt myself or find ways to be destructive. And all throughout middle school and high school, I had OCD so bad that I couldn't, I didn't touch a human body for like six years and I wasn't touching doorknobs. I wasn't touching food. And then I was hallucinating. Uh, I had auditory and visual hallucinations for years and, My whole life I would look at the people around me and I would see like, you know, really handsome people or really well-off financially people or really popular people. And I would just think none of these human beings have any idea what it's like to be me. And I think all I want to do with the platform that I have through music is to let kids who feel like that know that there are people all over who know who who experienced those same feelings and that's what metal really did for me when I was growing up it through its honesty it showed me that it's not just me who's feeling like this there's a 25 year old guy uh, in California who feels that way there's a 40 year old lady in Zimbabwe who feels that way like so you weren't alone yes it reminded me that I wasn't I, my experience wasn't so unique that no one would understand it.
1: Are you ever afraid that your experience and your desire to communicate your experience will ever come off as, what's the word I'm looking for? Encouraging or encouraging of the dark behavior or encouraging of the, the race to the bottom that, that you and I both know that there are a lot of musicians out there who portray the shadow side and the darkness of mental health as a as a badge of honor um where really the survival of it is where the badge lays succumbing to it succumbing to the drugs and succumbing to the self-harm it's a succumbing to the darkness um that's that's not honor that's not power that's not strength it might be force you might be very forceful um emulating or um creating excitement around the darkness. That is what you said. And I love it. The truth of metal, but it doesn't make it all true. And you guys have come out with your album. And this is, this is sounding like a, an album review, but you guys rock and your, your album has come out courageous and your lyrics are honest and they're dark, but are you afraid of it ever encouraging the dark behavior?
0: I think that is the, the number one, it might be the actual, the only actual anxiety that I feel towards my art, anything that I create. I want it to be honest enough to where I'm not Hollywooding it up and making it real glamorous and something that it wasn't. And I don't want to sugarcoat it so much that someone who's struggling will listen and think, oh, he doesn't get it, mine is different. Um, but at that same time, i also want to make sure that my intention in sharing it is totally clear because some of the lyrics are very like someone uh commented on one of our posts recently because everything we do as a band is pro mental health awareness and anti-suicide basically anti-stigma and anti-suicide from our logo we have a semicolon for suicide awareness in our actual logo it's on all of our merch and everything we write has to do with some form of suffering that we want to end. And someone commented on our on a post the other day saying, well, if you're against self-harm, why is your album cover an arm with scars on it? And why do you end the song with a line talking about not wanting to be alive? And I I think those things when I write songs and when I'm in the studio, I think, how clear can we be? through socials and through visuals and music videos, um, and just the way we carry ourselves on stage and it shows how can we be so clear about our intention and sharing it because I don't want to lie to these kids. I don't want to tell them, here's the danger, me saying it's nice and easy to get out of that place you're in. And then when it's not, they feel betrayed and they feel worse than they would have. And I want to let these kids know that while what they're experiencing is unique to them, in a way, it is also something that's felt across the whole world. And the only way I can let them know that is if I describe in detail what I experienced. It's it's freaky to do, really
1: like i said it's it's a it's a real edge and and true art makes you feel uncomfortable and and it's through our discomfort that we grow we don't grow when we're comfortable we don't grow as a human being when we're listening to the comfort pop tunes of of every culture that's being piped over the intercom at the gym we grow when we're sitting in those dark corners and it's taking every aspect of us to get through the next five minutes and your songs reflect that and your experience reflects that and what i had known about you for about a month and a half and listened to your stuff but what prompted me to finally say i have to talk to this guy was when you were putting out an ad on uh, for the uh, the knife and the dying dream on facebook your promotion for this video also came with the suicide hotline number. And I said, that's, that's right. That's right. It's one thing to talk about suicide. It's another thing to be a person who's going to be liked by children and talk about what it feels like to be suicidal. And it's even another thing to say, and if this song is resonating with you at that really dark place, call this number. And that made me go, look, they're being responsible with their art. And irresponsible mm-hmm. art that doesn't irresponsible, irresponsible music, irresponsible, that's that's one of the issues. You just say what you want and do you do what you want because you can't censor it. That's not art. But saying what matters and what's important in such a way that you can't ignore it. You could not ignore Heath Ledger and the Batman because he made us all feel uncomfortable with our dark side. And when you write, um, uh, where's that line? It's not God's fault. It's people like you. God isn't the problem. It's people like you. That's that's that line. That's 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 one of those lines where it sends your brain into a spin and you say, wait a second, wait a second, because if God created people, but then but then people have free will. But then and next thing you know, five minutes later, you're still thinking about one of your lyrics. And that means that you're that means you're on to something. That means you got something. When I call my my employee who loves this type of music and I said, man, listen to that third verse. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That means you guys are onto something. So, in addition to this music, in addition to reaching out to kids, you've started cope notes. Explain what cope notes is.
0: So, cope notes is basically the self-help solution that I wished existed my whole life. I knew that I was upset. I knew that was that I was in a dark place, but there were very few defined avenues to take towards getting healthier and working on myself and they were all very invasive like oh you want to go take medicine i was like not particularly and they're like you want to go sit down with a beautiful rich stranger who gets paid to listen to you talk and i was like heck no like neither of those sounded appealing to me at the time but if there was something that required so little of me so little investment so little information so little work that would actually help me replace all of my toxic habits with healthier ones, I would have opted for that in a heartbeat. And I, Cope Notes is basically, it's all text-based and it's like, if you're a parent and listening to this, imagine if you could give your child something helpful, a little helpful nugget that will help keep them on the right track almost every day and it's witty, and it's super unconventionally helpful. Um, it's definitely not your run of the mill, uh, mental health tip of the day thing. It's written in such a way that it reads like a text from a friend and you never know when you'll get it. That's my favorite part. You might get two in a day. You might get one at 1130 PM. And then the next day you get it before you wake up. It's totally staggered the same way that our bouts with depression are.
1: This, the idea that a kid can do this through text, that, that that this is an app creation that and and once again you're speaking to this this generation this this personal messaging back and forth is it is it a constant reminder is it is it some is it motivations is it um resources what are they getting in these texts
0: so it's actually completely it's not randomized because I draft it all out at the beginning of the month, but it's staggered in such a way that it feels randomized to the subscriber. So it's not like you receive the same template at the same time every day. It's some days you get videos, some days you get phone backgrounds, some days you get little exercises and tips and just words of encouragement. And I, I think one of the most beautiful parts of it too, is that nothing is required from the subscriber. So, Imagine if someone texted you, Aaron, and said, hey, man, I absolutely loved your shoes today. They looked awesome. You would have to say, well, I really appreciate it. That was very nice of you. Socially, that's kind of obligated. It's required of you. (laughs) And then you'd feel like, man, I should say something nice, too. So you're like, you had your hair looked fine or whatever. You would like sort of volley it back to them. And there's this social pressure that comes along with someone building you up. And the beauty of Cope Notes is there are no responses required. So it only takes the one initial decision to sign up. And from then on, it is a little, it's like a nudge in the right direction. So if your car is sort of veering out of the lane, you just give the wheel a little nudge and you're back on course. And I don't think looking back one day a week in a therapist's office for one hour did as much for me as I thought because what I really needed was to be responsible the six days I wasn't seeing a therapist. And this is a preventative solution to help kids grow in the right direction and know what they're
1: worth. You know, I see this. There are two types of change when we talk about a kid or an adult making a change in their life. There's there's two types. There's what we call state changes and trait changes. State changes are the things that happen, you know, anywhere from 10 to a thousand times in a day. There it's some, it's someone saying, Hey, I really like your shoes. And you're like, oh, hey you know, that's awesome. Thanks. Or you go to the gym, you weren't feeling so good before, but now you're feeling, or, you know, you're, you're all hung up on hope work, homework. So you go out into the driveway and you pull a trick on your skateboard and you finally land it. You're like, damn, that was awesome. Or you turn on Mm -hmm. some music and it changes your mood or you text someone and they text you back right away. And so you get that dopamine rush. Those are state changes. Those are small little changes. Now they add up. And if they're consistent at about 10,000, they start to affect deeply. Trait changes is is what therapy is for, because you can accomplish one of those in about three months minimum. And that's with like daily attention and maintenance. I see Mm -hmm. Coke notes is kind of this this daily state change. You're getting multiple taps in by someone who gets it to just kind of give you a boost or give you a skill or give you a tool or give you, and it's not... And maybe one of these things will, will save a kid's life. And maybe it's the 10,000 of them that have just kept them out of that, that deep and darkness where they finally, they make the final cut, you know, and it's, and it's mm-hmm. And is that what you're trying to do? Is it, is it, is it a suicide prevention? Is it suicide awareness? Is it mental health awareness? The goal is what, Johnny? The
0: goal is to help to prevent people from forgetting who they were built to be. I think when you go to a therapist once a week and you tell them about everything that's going wrong, it's sort of a dump. You like unload all of your junk and then you amass it during the week. You get it all back. And then you are like, okay, no worries. I'll just dump it out again on Friday. And I want Cope Notes to be not a clinical Thing for people who have been diagnosed with certain things. I want this to be a regular, consistent slap on the back of the neck that says, hey, focus on what's important, focus on who you are, and don't let any of the little petty stuff distract you or make you forget your value and your worth as a person. It's There is no one gigantic solution to mental health issues. I think it is a combination of a billion different techniques and a billion different strategies and cope notes is the amalgamation of all of the things that have worked for me that i know people will respond to and say man that's just what i needed right now
1: were you when you were a kid when you were growing up did you were you ever diagnosed? Did you feel you had mental issues? Was this a neurological thing for you, or was this an environmental thing for you that your your brain got kind of broken down by your environment?
0: It was definitely both. Um, I think, circumstantially, the home that I grew up in wasn't the healthiest, and that definitely played a major role. But also, I, I was diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar, OCD, ADD like every, you know, MLA, APA, like I'm just the last two are writing formats. Don't go looking them up. Um, Just every, (laughs) every diagnosis you could think of I got and we tried every medication we could find, every therapy tactic we could look up. I bought tickets to webinars and read really boring books and tried different diet plans and workout regimens and, at the end of all of that, I realized that I was looking for the one thing that would fix me. And it's not one thing. It's a little bit of everything. You need to be well-rounded because if you only have one pillar that holds you up and you lose that pillar, what then?
1: That's, a, that's good. I was looking for the one thing to fix me. What is What is your your maintenance look like now I am I'm let me before I ask that question I guess I want to know are you out of the woods or have you just kind of made a home in in the in the woods of your your own mind or, or you you got a new outlook on life and you have found the way to to, to to live free of all these diagnoses
0: yeah I I have been I have not taken medication for almost two years now um, which and that's after being medicated for eight years, very heavily medicated. Um, And I, a lot of what I do now, I'm like unrecognizable to people who knew me before. I'm just a happier, healthier person. And I think a lot of it is because I choose to invest in my wellness. So I choose to eat healthier, even if it's more expensive or I have to go further out of the way. And I choose to prioritize, um, physical activity, and I choose to listen to positive podcasts and um, positive music, and I read positive books, and I purposely surround myself with people that I know will make a good influence on me. I think I've changed just about every corner of my life over the last six years. When When I really started investing in myself and really started pursuing advocacy and speaking at events, I realized I can't just go to these events and talk about how hard it is. I need to get to the other side so I can show people what it looks like to have walked through it and to be okay. And I don't think there will ever be a point where I'm perfect, um, but that's not my goal.
1: How do you coach someone who's in the midst of the depression that what they need to do is that maintenance that you do, the positive books, the positive podcast, the positive seminar, motivational stuff, the positive music. How do you, because, because what you and I both know about depression is that there is, a, there is a shadow that looms over everything that says it won't work, it doesn't work, it's never worked, it never will.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't, I... When I first started reading about self-help and just mental wellness in general, I was furious at the way it was written because it was very like airy and unrealistic and sort of like out of touch with reality. Like it would say stuff like, "You just have to realize that it's not bad," and you wake up and you kiss a butterfly and you float (laughs) the day. And it's like, dude, I like got into a car accident today and that sucks and you can't say it doesn't suck. And I think my my goal with Cope Notes and my goal whenever I speak to someone who is going through something before anything, before I say anything to the contrary, I have to acknowledge the suck. You cannot pretend that issues don't exist. You can't pretend that everyone's nice and then everything's perfect because that's just as unhealthy as thinking that everything is negative. You have to acknowledge the obstacles. You have to acknowledge the pain, and you have to really feel it and understand it. So I would encourage anyone who's talking to someone who's struggling to just listen completely and validate what they're feeling. Just even saying something like, man, that really must suck, like if someone's like, oh, I'm so frustrated, and they're like, I just had the most frustrating morning, and they tell you about it, before you give them anything helpful, instead of saying, well, you could look at it this way, before you do that, just go, man, that's a brutal morning, and just watch their demeanor, their facial expression, their body language lift. And as soon as someone else sees and acknowledges and recognizes that pain and that struggle, their whole demeanor shifts. I promise you, it's magic. You have to, you have to
1: acknowledge it. Johnny, you were talking about one of the most basic lessons of, of therapeutic intervention, which is validate. If you do <laughs> not validate your client's experience, and for parents, this is so hard. We spend hours teaching this to parents at our parents' weekend because it's very hard if a child says you know if you take my cell phone i will kill myself and then we're we're trying to train a parent to validate that expression that experience and a parent says i can't validate that it's not rooted in reality or logic but what we're not what we're not understanding what parents forget what we don't get is that it is their reality And it is Mm -hmm. logical to the brain that's in survival mode and depressed that the idea Mm -hmm. that if you take that thing, that might be their only link to the world, to friends, to community, connection, freedom, power. Those are three basic human needs that you're threatening by taking away their cell phone because they're mad and now their survival's threatened and they go into crisis mode so of course anybody in crisis mode is going to manipulate their environment and say something like well then i'll just kill myself and the parent goes right. oh my god or says don't be stupid and none of that helps neither neither the oh my god here's your phone back or the don't be stupid neither of that helps the validation maintains the conversation maintains the connection allows the person to actually be able to express what they're feeling without judgment man
0: i just want to let parents know that by validating how your child feels you're not validating the appropriateness of the response in your eyes yeah it doesn't mean
1: yeah it doesn't mean you agree with them
0: right It's like saying, it's like someone saying, my knee hurts, and you saying, it doesn't hurt that bad. Like, you don't know that. You, it, it's just, and there's the conversation about what is condoning and enabling and what is actually validating and encouraging. Like, that conversation could go on forever, but I just want to urge parents who have felt like validating would encourage their kids to continue acting that way I just want to say that maybe if your kid felt understood by you in that moment of pain and hurt where they're like oh I can't even imagine having my phone I'm gonna feel so lonely and you just sort of meet them at that level and be like really understanding of how they feel I I would be very interested to see how their behavior changed changes and the way you to communicate changes after your child feels seen and heard and understood by you.
1: Is this, is this work your 12th step? Is this, you know, the 12th step of recovery is that you go out and you take the message to addicts that are still suffering, but to broaden that experience, we, we call the 12th step. This is where you spend your life trying to help the people who you understand because you went through what they're going through is, is this music, the cope notes, these talks and these seminars, is this your 12th step?
0: My, my, in 2012, I started speaking at events about mental health. And at first it was just events. Like I would just speak at a fundraiser or just talk to a kid at a show or just respond to a Facebook message. And over the last, Six years. It has become my entire goal for being alive. It is like, I, I mean, it's and it hasn't even been fully on purpose. It's like when you really care about something, it sort of bleeds into other aspects of your life. And at first, it was just speaking at those events and teaching a couple classes here and there, and then. That grew into writing more about it with my band, and then that grew into trying to do advocacy and be a mentor and volunteer at my church, and then slowly it grew and grew until I realized that Cope Notes, I, my dream for it is to have tens of thousands of kids all across America receiving positive reinforcement on a daily basis. I could die so happily knowing that I that I wasn't just given a platform, but that I made sure that I gave back to what saved me. And what saved me is other people. Other people made art that reminded me that I wasn't alone. And I just, all I want to do is be that and continue that cycle and create something that will remind someone else that they're not alone because that's what I got from the system. And it's only fair to pay it back.
1: How would you have responded to someone like you 10 years ago?
0: I think out of all of the stuffy, rich, handsome, well-dressed doctors who came in, to talk on career day I would listen to the guy with the face tattoo <laughs> because because when you're a kid you think that guy is tough he's cool and he's young and I I understand how that sounds when I'm talking about myself but dude <laughs> when I'm with middle schoolers at church the other leaders will come up to me and say i have no idea why everyone listens to you and i said it's because i don't look or speak like an authority figure and that is the kids are so quick to listen and to help me and it's because i don't wave around this badge of authority telling people what to do i will literally say can you do me a favor and stack those chairs please and they'll do it i don't tell anyone to do anything i I asked for participation and looking back when I was 15 if someone who looked like me and spoke like me and had a story like me came into my own classroom I would I would I would probably listen for the first time in my whole life
1: you know you said at the beginning of the show that you know, the the issues with authority and why that happens and that you, re, you know, you weren't even sure actually why there are issues with authority and stuff like that. And I see two reasons and you're, you're actually talking about it and just using different words. Number one, developmentally, a teenager, goes through a part where they have to be, they have to create their own value system. And it's developmentally appropriate that a teenager begins to separate from their parents' value system so that they can create their own. And because they have nothing to go on other than what they've been taught by their parents, they begin the process by saying, I'm going to be me by not being you. And that's a very base, it's very simple and simplified and basic. And it is <clears throat> it is the beginning of personal value system formation. The second piece is that we have a culture and it has been a consistent culture. This is not some new thing of your generation or, you know, uh, the millennial generation or the Gen X generation, which is my generation or my parents' generations was a hippie generation or the baby boomers. This is... It is always has been a promotion of standing up against authority. in every time frame, there has been another version of that. MTV brought it to the mass market, but you could always find standing up to the authority or or being down with the man or, or not down with the man or or however you want to say that but there was always, encouragement to resist authority so you you represent the non-authoritarian cool guy who got out of the darkness and is finding what have you found what did you find coming out of this
0: i think i found that resisting something for the sake of resisting like resisting a position for the sake of resisting it or resisting something popular for the sake of resisting oh here's a perfect example so i have a buddy's band who i won't name that used to be very very small and a lot of kids liked them and were like oh this band is so cool and then as they grew to be more popular kids would say yeah i still kind of like them i like their old stuff better and then by the time they're really big everyone says no nah, i don't like them." And I think we sort of snub things that are popular because we enjoy feeling different and unique and in on the ground floor, but then we miss amazing records that are written by bands who are popular. And I think it's that way with positions of authority and rebellion and all of it. I think it's like someone saying, you should eat more vegetables and me saying, no, I'm not gonna follow the food pyramid anarchy and then i get an ulcer or something it's like some things aren't worth rebelling against simply because they're commonplace i think we need to take a closer look i think it's important to question things and be curious and dig and research but i think a lot of us give something a cursory glance and
1: choose to rebel without really digging and that's therein
0: lies the danger
1: yeah and and we're also talking about and and needing to remind parents that anarchy and rebellion is a commodity that you can purchase. I bought my fight club t-shirt at Target and you probably bought an anarchy t-shirt at Hot Topic. Like that's <laughs> the those that 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 is the commercialization of rebellion. And that is one of the things that strikes me about your music and your message is that you're you're actually not rebelling you're validating an experience that parents think is rebellion and it's not it's actually depression it's actually suicidality it's actually mental health issues and parents may know it but they keep saying things like why do they just keep making these choices you know i know he's depressed and can't get out of bed but if he would just go volunteer at the humane society you know he would be giving back and he would receive the benefit but that work takes years man and getting right. out of bed today is the issue. And that's what parents are still looking for. So, Johnny, how do you get a 14-year-old kid whose dad is effed off or mom is has drunk herself down or teachers have not recognized the brilliance or is just lost in the system or they're suffering mental health issues and it's a Saturday, it's beautiful outside, but they're online gaming. And when they're not gaming, they're eating crap food. And when they're not eating crap food and they're not online gaming, they're depressed and they can't mm-hmm. get out of their room. What do you, what do you, what do you have for parents? What do you tell them to do at that point? What do you wish someone would have done for you?
0: I think personally I felt, and I, I don't feel like I would have told anyone this at the time, but when I was in that phase where I would sleep until two and three in the afternoon, and not speak to anyone and not leave my room, I think a big part of it was not only was I depressed, but I felt like a burden to the people around me because of the way I felt and the way I couldn't help. I couldn't help the way I acted. And I thought, well, I know no one's going to want to spend time with me when I'm like this. And I think that if someone would have been not persistent in changing my mind but persistent in friendship and persistent in communication and partnership. I think that if someone let me know that they would like to spend time with me or that I'm worth their time or that I'm worth going outside or worth enjoying my life, that I deserved it, um, I think my life would have looked a lot different. And I think our initial response is to say, come on, get out of bed. Someone says, no, I'm too tired. And we go, fine. And we storm off. And we complain about it on Facebook or whatever we do. And I think it's a matter of breaking that cycle. If someone pushes you away and you push them away, nothing will happen. But if someone is rude to you and you repay that with kindness, sort of uncanny kindness, like confusing kindness, like someone spits on your car and then you wash theirs kind of a thing it breaks that cycle and makes someone re-examine and re-evaluate the, the way that they respond to stimulus. And I really think that the important part isn't necessarily getting them out of bed because that doesn't solve anything. They, if you get them out of bed and take them to a ball game, but treat them like crap or pander to them like, oh, is everything okay? It's That won't solve anything but I think it's a it's a matter of intention you choosing to show your child hey even though you're going through this I'm by your side we don't have to talk but I'd love to hang out with you when you have time like that no pressure um, that that pressureless care and the sentiment that you are worth my time and I enjoy spending time with you even when you're upset because you're my family, I think that could go a long way.
1: So, what's next? What are you, you've got, you've got cope notes, cope notes. I'm on your page right now. You've got a, a place on Facebook for fans to reach out to you. I'm seeing pictures of you guys doing some touring. Um, your EP's out. What's next? What, what's what's your next goal? What's next in the Daytimer?
0: Um i would definitely like to well i am touring if any listener lives in america we're probably playing your state i leave in about a month and um our tour dates are listed online maybe you can put a link in there um and so while we are doing that tour and while i would love to see people come out any listeners want to bring their kids or just come and ask me questions and we can go grab pancakes somewhere. I'm totally down. But beyond that, I think my my true goal at the moment is to build cope notes into something that shifts culture and their culture's view of mental health. And I also want to use prison and leverage that platform to shift the way the metal subculture looks at what is appropriate and what is Like, I think there's a very sort of, in metal, there's like an implication where you need to wear black and you need to be tough. And so I wear floral leggings on stage and dye my hair pink and write hurt across my chest to let people know that they don't have to feel so locked into these socially accepted categories. And all I want, all I want, with coat notes and prison and anything else that I do artistically or advocacy wise or anything is to remind people that they, the things that make them different are not burdens, they're assets. And I want to remind people that they can leverage
1: them. One of my favorite sayings to tell the kids is that it's hard, it's impossible to know from where you are, but when you get older, you will realize that the wound is the way, the pain is the path, the mess is the message, the tears are the trail. Just You, you just got to stay with this experience and you got to see yourself through it. Because on the other side, you'll understand that you didn't come this far to get this far. You came this far to get strong enough to go all the way. And honestly, we call those end of hall talks. Cause you have mm. to talk with the kid in your office and then they leave your office and they remember till about the end of the hall. But that's a, that's a state change. It's not a trait change. When you tell someone that three times a day for 90 days straight and they practice it every day, their life will change for that one thing. But those, those small little energetic changes, they do matter. It's a, sometimes it feels like planting seeds in the desert, but you're still planting seeds and it can still rain. And when it does rain, Desert flowers is some of the most beautiful things you've ever seen, uh, dude. I'm looking at your tour dates, and of course, I'm out of the country on a on a speaking tour when you're here in Denver, and that at the Oriental, and that absolutely kills me. I'm gonna work mm. on getting my uh, staff member there to connect with you guys and get some pictures for me. Um, but yeah, on your on your Facebook page on the left side, if you go to prisons, uh, and that's at prison fl. Um, on the left side of the page underneath their, uh, uh, name, you've got tour dates and you can go there and get your tickets and reserve your tickets. Um, <clears throat> and what a present for, for the, the parents to get their, their kids. If your kids are into metal music, get them, get them tickets to get them tickets to prison, man. Uh, when they come to your town, uh, Johnny, how else can people find you? Give, give, give all the call outs, give all the numbers and, and names and websites and everything, man, promote. Definitely.
0: Um I do I only have Facebook and Instagram. It's just Facebook or Instagram dot com slash Johnny X Crowder. And then um Facebook for Cope Notes is Facebook dot com slash cope notes and then the Cope Notes website is www.copenotes.com. dot Notes dot com and I also bought a short code for the service so you can just text cope c o p e to the number 33222 and you'll get a sign up link for a free trial right there.
1: That's awesome. And listen, if if I've got parents out there who are my age uh, and you're an old metal head and you're you're starting to to push into your 50s like I am, um you got to check out prison and and if you're if, if you're one of those metal heads has been complaining about the the new dark metal and death metal and viking metal and screamo metal and uh and the new metal um get over it and check out some of these guys prison is one of them that i i'm way into uh you guys are good i i'm 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 definitely a fan this is you know, this is uh this is good stuff this is courageous stuff it's real stuff you and i spoke before um and i you know not knowing which bands you liked my experience of listening to you guys was like my experience of listening to corn's first album when daddy came on and um that song put me on my knees uh, a lot of a lot of my listeners know that i was sexually assaulted and when i when i listened to Daddy. Um, was no holds barred and it 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 was reminiscent of when nirvana came out during the hairband years or why some of us gravitated towards sepultura and metallica and slayer while guns and roses and poison was were, were so popular um it's because it wasn't real it was it was dressed up and and those there were some fantastic musicians and and uh, some great riffs and some funny lyrics, but it wasn't real. And there was a lot of us who wanted real. And I want, I want the older metal fans, the Pantera generation, the the Soulfly generation. Don't be afraid of this new stuff that's coming out because there's some there's some real stuff in there. Prisons, one of these guys, Johnny. I think. I think you're, you really are a true artist. And I think the cause behind your art is giving you a passion and a power that a lot of other artists lack and what you have from a, from a businessman to a businessman, because that is what we both are. Number one, learn how to master shameless self-promotion because A, you're worthy of it. You're good. And B, people need the product that you have. Parents need to know that there are people like you out there singing to their kids. Um, But most importantly, you have knowingly or unknowingly found yourself in purpose branding. And that's where your brand, your tattoos, your logo, it stands for something more than just the name of your band and something to look for on iTunes. It stands Mm -hmm. for something that's gonna change somebody. It's gonna save somebody's life. If it hasn't already, what you and your band has put out there is going to save somebody's life. And that, the discomfort of your lyrics, the the, the reality of the pictures that you show and the harshness and the darkness and the growl. um, And man, tell your drummer from me that he has grabbed onto, he's good. He's really, really good. And he knows when to just play it simple and to carry the bottom in such a way that the the message cannot get lost in every single one of the musicians trying to show off 24-7 of the song. Uh, In -hmm. The Knife and the Dying Dream, he has just held a space for the art to emerge and that to me is a true drummer someone who's truly artistic and knows how to carry the basement of the song and to build the foundation your bass player is phenomenal your guitarists are good like this is you guys are good you've done a great job and i'm really glad i found you guys
0: i appreciate hearing that so much thank you man
1: Yeah. And, and listen, I, I said it at the beginning, I was recording it. I don't know if I'm going to put it in the show or not. I want fire mountain to be involved in your stuff. I want, I want kids to know that there's actually some facility owners out there and facility workers out there who dig this kind of music and really understand what you're trying to do. And I'd like to create some support around what you're doing financially. So let's stay in touch off air and, uh, I got to find a way to meet up with you at some point so that we can uh, we can put together something bigger because I have a I have a big parents weekend push to try to make it a a public piece, um, not just for parents in our facility, but but out there for anyone for free. And I would love to have you there to uh, to pass along your message as well. So let's keep in touch.
0: Yes, that would be so exciting. Oh, man. Yeah, you have my email and i'm literally sitting at a computer all day so i'd love to talk to you more.
1: Johnny Crowder from the band Prison. Get their get their latest LP uh Not Guilty by Reason of Insanity NGRI sorry i said LP it's their EP uh first song's Dead Meat it it kicks ass the knife and the dying dream is by far my favorite um There's some other stuff that's just going to twist your skin a little bit. And uh, if your neck doesn't hurt after listening to the album, then you weren't listening hard enough. Uh, Johnny, my guest, Johnny Crowder, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, Parents, teachers, and clinicians, the rule is very, very simple. I say it every time, and I will say it every time. You take care of yourself first, you take care of your adult relationship second, and you take care of your children third. Because in that way, when we do it in that order, then we will do our best work for our children, and we teach our children how to take care of themselves first, and we teach through modeling. Uh, As always, I want to thank the boss goddess, Kristen Walker, um, at Mental Health News Radio. Uh, Check out Johnny Crowder in prison. Folks, we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery and responsibility. And also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com. Join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos special thanks to mental health news radio for their continued love and support of our program please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts feel free to email me at aaron at Programs.com.